Welcome to Animals Today, your home for a serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. Well, September is Save the Koala Month. So I thought we'd talk just a few minutes about koalas, Peter. Okay, I'm ready. First of all, people refer to them as koala bears, but they're really not bears at all, as many people might believe, and they're not even related to bears. They get their name koala bear because they sort of look like teddy bears, but they're really marsupial mammals like kangaroos and opossums. And they are marsupials because their babies are carried in pouches. Now, a newborn koala baby is called, do you know what they're called, a Peter? A joey. A joey. Very good. Mm-hmm. And this joey is less than an inch in length and lives in the mother's pouch for about six months while its eyes, legs, and fur develops. And then he or she makes its way out of the pouch onto his or her mother's back and just rides on mom's back as joey continues to be nursed by mother with her milk. And then after about a year, he or she is pretty much fully weaned and is off on its own. Full-grown koalas weigh about 20 pounds. Koalas only have one baby at a time, so they don't have litters like dogs and cats do. They prefer to live alone and not be part of a pack or a group, and they spend most of their lives in trees. Now, interesting, the only food koalas eat, which happens to be poisonous to most animals, are eucalyptus leaves. Koalas have certain bacteria in their stomachs to help detoxify the chemical toxins in the leaves and helps with the digestive process. They eat about a pound of leaves per day. There are different varieties of eucalyptus leaves in the wild and each koala acquires a taste for specific varieties by adulthood. Now koalas don't need to drink much water. They obtain most of their water from the leaves. So they spend most of their lives in trees and they need a lot of trees and a lot of space to keep them happy and healthy. That's another reason why it just kills me to see these animals living in captivity in zoos. Now, other than in zoos, koalas are only found in Australia. The estimated lifespan of a koala in the wild is about 13 to 18 years, but their lifespan is beginning to decline because their habitat is slowly, or I should say rather quickly, disappearing. As of 2015, the Australian Koala Foundation estimates that there are less than 80,000 koalas left, with the possibility of that number being as low as 43,000. Koalas are not officially classified as endangered, but the Australian koala population had dropped by 90% in less than a decade, so they are definitely threatened. Their population is shrinking due to the destruction of their natural habitat. I read 80% of their habitat has been destroyed. We're just cutting down all their eucalyptus trees. Also, domestic dogs, wildfires, and roadway accidents and disease also contribute Mm. to their dwindling population. So there you go, some facts about koalas, and September is Save the Koala Month. Lori, they are awfully cute aren't they so cute yeah and what do you got there peter well i have a trio of california stories for us okay first uh the state has banned the use of bull hooks to handle elephants governor jerry brown has signed the measure into law that uh protects captive elephants from being brutalized by these archaic sharp instruments that are used to prod and pull and terrorize these poor elephants and uh, hopefully other states will follow. This was authored by Senator Ricardo Lara. So thank you very much to Mr. Lara for leading the way on this. You know, these bullocks are used many places around the world and it's really, it's really a shame. So congratulations to uh, California again for uh, leading the way and probably that will end the whole circus industry in the state because the circuses need to use these hooks to guide and control the elephants. And Loria uh, second, the California legislature has passed a bill called the California Orca Protection Act. It's now on the governor's desk. He's busy, isn't he? And uh, this finally looks like it's going to get uh, passed. This is an updated version of the bill originally introduced by Santa Monica Assemblyman Richard Bloom, who was on the show a few years ago. And this is going to outlaw the captivity of killer whales in California. Now, the ones that are currently living in captivity are exempt, although they are not permitted to participate in shows after next June. 
SeaWorld said it would use its killer whales for, quote, educational presentations, which is still allowed in the bill. Education. But the bill uh, bans breeding, including artificial insemination, as well as selling killer whales to other states or countries. So congratulations to all involved, and please, Governor, sign this one. And third, in California, another bill is aimed to help animals in hot cars and protect those who want to help them from uh, liability. I know you've got uh, intimate knowledge about this, Lori. The bill is AB 797, and it would amend California's current hot car laws, which already prohibit leaving or confining an animal in an unattended motor vehicle, and it would permit people to take reasonable steps to remove an animal from a vehicle if the safety appears to be in immediate danger from heat cold lack of adequate ventilation lack of food or water or other circumstances that could reasonably be expected to cause suffering disability or death to the animal yes i love it break and the window to save a dog that's right now you just can't go breaking every window you see Lori. okay so you need to have a good faith effort right and uh, believe in good faith that the entry is necessary but it is uh, very much needed because there is this confusion that people have oh what can i do what should i do what am i allowed to do am i going to get sued by the owner of the car am i going to get a citation from the police so this will uh, clarify that and the governor needs to sign that one too there are many states that have uh, what they call hot car laws that allow law enforcement and humane officers to break into uh, vehicles to rescue animals such as in arizona and delaware illinois and maine so there's about uh, 20 or so that have uh, such laws but the good samaritan hot car laws like this allowing private citizens to take matters into their own hands those are less common and you can find various versions of them in states like florida new york and uh, tennessee the uh, Tennessee law allows a person to break into cars to save children and makes it uh, legal to do the same for animals. And uh, Tennessee appears to be leading the way in this sort of thing. Congratulations, Tennessee. Listen, my take on this, Peter, you see an animal or a child, okay, in a hot car. I mean, don't ignore the child. You see a living being in a hot car, you act immediately. You don't have time to wait. Check the doors. They're locked. Pick up a rock. Get your crowbar out of the trunk of your car. Whatever it takes break that window save that life and I'm telling you even if you're in a state which doesn't offer you protection by law the odds are you're gonna be fine you're not gonna be faulted you're not gonna be fined or cited you're not gonna be sued by the owner trust me I have firsthand experience with this sort of thing numerous times the times I've broken a car window to save an animal's life not only do I have that satisfaction that I know I did the right thing but good comes out of this in many ways I mean what are your options you're gonna call animal control or law enforcement and wait 20 minutes or more for them to get there the dog might be dead by then. And how would that make you feel? Were you going to try to find the idiot who left their dog in the car in the first place? No. And you know what? In my opinion, he deserves his car to be vandalized just for being so ignorant. And one might even argue he doesn't even deserve his dog back either. So bottom line, don't hesitate. Do the right thing. You're not going to regret it. And remember, cracked windows in a hot car do not help in this situation. Okay, so Lori, so let's say you're walking by and there is a Bentley car. And in the car, you see a little pocket dog whose name happens to be Bentley. And the air conditioner seems to be off and no one's around. You're going to get your rock out of your pocketbook and smash the $1,000 window of that Bentley. Without hesitation. So your campaign slogan is a rock in every pocketbook. <laughs> That's good. Lori, recently in the news, there have been a number of really sad stories about the effects of xylitol, particularly when dogs are eating xylitol, they get very sick and sometimes die. And in fact, the FDA has just released a consumer health information bulletin talking about xylitol and dogs. And you can uh, review this at fda.gov slash consumer, but it's a pretty comprehensive uh, warning about all the foods that contain xylitol, including chewing gum. And I'm gonna talk about the specific brands of gum in just a minute, so you can be aware of that. But the xylitol is really dangerous to dogs. You know why? Because it causes a strong release of insulin from the pancreas in dogs but not in people and this causes profound decrease in blood sugar and that can come on 
in just a few minutes and can be life-threatening. Symptoms of xylitol poisoning in dogs includes vomiting and then decreased activity, weakness, staggering, incoordination, collapse, and seizures, and death. So if you even think your dog has eaten xylitol, you want to bring him or her to the vet or animal hospital immediately. Even before showing these symptoms. Even before. And they may want to keep your dog there for 12 to 24 hours to monitor to make sure this uh, doesn't occur. Cats really don't care to eat xylitol, so it's not really a problem with them. So what are some of the foods containing xylitol? Well, the items I'll say are some sugar-free candies, uh, toothpaste, some human toothpaste contains xylitol, so you don't want to let your dog near that. And that's the other reason why you don't want to brush your dog's teeth with human toothpaste, by the way. Mouthwash, some nut butters, that's a new thing. Some of these nut butters have added xylitol for sweetness, but the biggest offender appears to be chewing gum. So don't let your dog near chewing gum. And mints too, right, Peter? Yeah, you bet. Some sugar-free mints are sweetened with xylitol. So here are some of the gum brands that contain xylitol. Spry gum, Epic gum, Miradent, Trident and Trident Infusion with xylitol, Trident Extra Care, Icebreakers, Ice Cube Sugar-Free, and Zelly's Xylitol Gum. So be careful. Don't let your dog near any of those products. You know, you make a good point, too, because a lot of people think it's okay to brush their dog's teeth with human toothpaste, and it's not because of the fact that many of the toothpaste do contain xylitol. In addition, people think, well, my dog has bad breath, so I'm going to have my dog drink some mouthwash. Well, that could be dangerous as well. And finally, this is interesting news about the nut butters, Peter, because Today. a lot of people think that... You you know, any of the peanut butters, they're safe for dogs, and they may not be. So look at the labels. Well, stick around later in the show. Lori will be speaking about the worst places to live if you are a dolphin or a whale. And I'll be covering the improved legal status for animals in Oregon and the stray dog problem in Dallas. You're listening to Animals Today. For the past quarter century, International Society for Animal Rights has fought the battle against dog and cat overpopulation. Its programs include reducing income taxes by allowing a deduction for spay and neuter expenses, preventing animals adopted from shelters from reproducing, and requiring the mandatory identification of dogs and cats to prevent dumping the unwanted. For a list of all ISAR overpopulation programs, please see their website at www.isaronline.org. Hi, I'm Paul. I used to ask if you could hear me now with Verizon, but I switched to Sprint. Sprint's network reliability is now within 1% of Verizon. Plus, Sprint changed the game again with their new unlimited data plan that gives you the freedom to do whatever. Wow, unlimited data? Yep. I watch dog videos, cat videos, dogs with cats videos, no overages, no worries. People seem pretty excited. Ooh, and I play puzzle games and candy things and text, ping, post, snap, tweet, I am DM. Hashtag best unlimited on the planet. Can you hear that? So, switch to Sprint's Unlimited Freedom Plan. Get unlimited mobile-optimized streaming videos, gaming, music, and data for $60 a month. Live your life unlimited. Live free. Visit a Sprint store, sprint.com slash freedom, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. Coverage and offer not everywhere for discounted phone subject to credit and $30 activation fee. Exclusive access, surcharges, roaming, and premium content. Streaming may be mobile-optimized with video up to 480p and music up to 500 kilobytes per second. Games limited up to 2 megabytes per second. Prohibited network use rules apply and data deprioritization during congestion. Reliability claim based on third-party data restrictions apply. If you run a business, plumbing, HVAC, or construction, you know that some vans are too small, others too big. That's where the Mercedes-Benz Metris comes in. With unmatched safety features, a 2,500 two-pound payload, and enough cargo space to hold over 60 sheets of 4x8 drywall, it's big enough for the job. Yet it's small enough to fit in your garage. It has a service interval of up to 15,000 miles and the highest residual value in its class, according to ALG. During the Metris Summer Savings Event, save $3,000 on all 2016 Mercedes-Benz Metris models. Mercedes-Benz. Vans born to run. Offer founded only to qualified customers for purchase or lease of eligible 2016 Mercedes-Benz Metris vans. Cashback only available on the purchase or lease of a 2016 Metris van from new dealer stock. See your authorized Mercedes-Benz vans dealer or mbvans.com website for full offer details. Offer ends August 31st, 2016.
Welcome back to the show, and we are here with legal expert Bob Ferber, and we are going to be discussing a very important case out of Oregon. This began in 2010 when a dog named Juno was confiscated from its owner. This dog was found to be very underweight, emaciated, and uh, this led to a big Supreme Court ruling. Hey, Bob. Hey, Peter. How you doing? I'm just fine. And so, uh, interesting uh, case here. The dog was uh, confiscated. And what happened that led to this becoming such a big ruling? Well, it's a very exciting situation, and in some ways, Peter, it's a little surprising it hasn't come up earlier. Um, the, a routine procedure in, in animal cruelty cases around the country, when we seize an animal, the animal is examined to rule out the possibility that the animal is not neglected, but let's say the animal has cancer or is, is failing or the animal is so old that it, and, it, and has no teeth and it can't eat. And so the procedure for taking the blood is to rule out any other possibility other than the fact that that dog owner just failed to feed that animal and take care of them properly. Mm -hmm. Another reason for doing this, of course, also is that animal control agencies see their responsibility as caring for an animal. So if an animal comes in to the shelter and whether there's an owner or not, if the animal is severely emaciated, they're going to give it hopefully the best vet care, and that may include a blood test to determine what kind of medications the animal needs, what kind of disease is going on. This defendant basically said to the court, wait a minute, you took the blood from my dog and you're using that against me to say that I neglected the animal. You can't do that mm -hmm. because I know that my animal is property. And I know that the law is that you can't go into my property when, without a warrant. And what we mean by that, for your listeners, is that typically we're talking about property like a cell phone. A, dr a drug dealer's a cell phone is taken from a drug dealer, or a, su a locked suitcase is taken from a drug dealer, or a car is impounded and the, the trunk is locked. The question is, do the police have the right to go into that cell phone or their suitcase or that car trunk? Well, they have to get a warrant. It's very clear. The U.S. Supreme Court made that clear. What this guy in Oregon said who owned this dog was, hey, animals are property. You can't go into a suitcase, a cell phone. You can't go into my animal's body. Yeah. You invaded the, 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 you went inside of my property and took out the contents and used it against me without a warrant. And the contents in this case is the blood. Mm. It's a very interesting and sort of novel argument that questions the whole procedure throughout this country about how we handle animal cruelty cases. Okay, so let's just establish that the, the blood was drawn and the dog was found not to be ill, only underfed and emaciated. And that was the basis for the owner's uh, conviction uh, for animal abuse. Okay, and the lower courts uh, sided with the defendant. Yes, and and, fa and and frankly, the lower court did what traditional law says: animals, for all purposes, are property. And and so, yes, if you're going to go inside of that animal, in this case, getting the blood, then you have to get a warrant. And what's really, I find it fantastic, I mean, it's such good news, the Oregon Supreme Court was more enlightened and said, wait a minute, we understand that animals are property, but it would be foolish for us to ignore the fact that an animal is still a living, breathing creature, and that in certain situations, at least in this one, the dog is far more like a child than it is a cell phone. The Oregon Supreme Court was more enlightened and recognized that, wait a minute, we cannot look at a dog and say that in every situation it's just like a cell phone or a chair or a, a locked trunk. A dog in this case is more like a child. A child is brought into the emergency room and is emaciated. The, the doctors do not need a search warrant to take the blood of that child mm -hmm. to determine whether or not the child was neglected. It, the parent cannot object to that. And the court was saying that this, in this case, 
case, this animal is, should be treated more like the child in the emergency room than the cell phone at the police station. And the court made a comment also that an animal is a living creature and that we would never want to also require a search warrant to get the blood of an animal when the animal may need the blood work to get for its own welfare because the animal needs medical treatment. So for two reasons, the court said this animal needs to be treated more like a human and less like a cell phone. Interesting. The, importantly, Peter, the court was careful to make sure that they were not telling the public we're saying animals are not property. They were not willing to go further than basically what the facts are in this case. They, they said only in this scenario we're saying that animals should not be treated just like a cell phone or like an inanimate object. It didn't say that they weren't saying it either. They're just saying this is all we have to deal with right now. But what's really important about this case is that it, it chips away at this concept, this, in my very unlegalized opinion, that a stupid concept, that animals are property. In most cases, social change with law, where laws make social change, it tends to go in baby steps, where a court will chip away at a concept here and then a chip away way at a concept in some other scenario. And in my legal opinion, mm -hmm. uh, in my experience as an, an animal attorney, I think that we're going to see this continue now. First of all, I think we're going to see other states in the country look at this also and start to do what Oregon said, which is that, okay, we also recognize in Montana or California or New York that animals are not in every situation property. And maybe in these criminal cases, that's going to come up. You're going to have a public defender in New York City who's going to say, you can't use the blood of the dog of my client. And a New York judge is going to say, no, we agree with the Oregon Supreme Court. And before you know it, a lot of courts around the country are going to start to agree with this. And then... Typically what would happen is it goes up to the U.S. Supreme Court when there's a real disagreement, when let's say 10, ten states say no, animals are property mm -hmm. and you, can't, you, you, have, you need a warrant to get the blood. And 40 other states say no, you don't need a warrant. Well, the Supreme Court then steps in, the U.S. Supreme Court, mm -hmm. and says we need to resolve this. We're not at that point yet. But I think the U.S. Supreme Court's going to wait till more states make rulings on this and also chip away at other areas of where animals are treated as property. And I think what we're going to see, not just in this area of criminal law, but in family law. This is a very controversial and developing area of law where when families, when a couple gets divorced and they're fighting over who gets the dog or the cat, so far, the law is very clear that they are treated like a cell phone. Who owns the cell phone? Who owns the car? Who owns the dining room table? Whoever owns it gets it. Family court judges are saying, I wish I could give the dog to the family member that really where it's in the best interest of the dog, but I can't do it. And I think this Oregon Supreme Court case is the beginning of chipping away at this concept. And I wouldn't be surprised if I see a family court judge in Oregon at one point say, wait a minute, our Supreme Court already said animals are not property in every situation. I'm going to rule now that in this divorce situation, I'm going to treat the animal more like a child also and put it in the best home where it belongs. Okay, Bob Ferber, very good analysis. Thank you for explaining that to us. You're very welcome. matters, and in a world that can be uncertain, your United States Navy protects and defends America on the oceans. Where there are threats against America, anywhere around the globe, your Navy ships, submarines, aircraft, and most importantly, tens of thousands of America's finest young men and women are ready to defend America at all times. When pirates threaten commerce, your Navy is there to ensure the world's oceans are safe and free from attacks. When disaster strikes, like the typhoon that devastated the Philippines in 2013, your Navy was there 
providing medical supplies and relief to those in need. When drug traffickers attempt to use the ocean to ferry narcotics to our borders, your Navy is there defending America. Your Navy is deployed around the world, around the clock, always ready. When it comes to protecting and defending America, being there matters, and America's Navy is already there. Champions are made. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. One of the most inspiring parts of emotional management is motivation. A big portion of my career is devoted to working with some of the best athletes in the entire world. And athletes, as you know, rely a ton on motivation. But just because they rely on motivation doesn't mean that they don't at times struggle with motivation. You see, motivation is a mindset and we alone have the final say on the mindset that we have in life. By learning to master your self-talk, you can become the champion of your own motivation. And once you become the champion of your motivation, you can become a champion at anything you undertake. For help with motivation, visit drchristianconti.com and be sure to like us on Facebook. Haynes, the worldwide leader in vehicle repair information for over 50 years, is now available in electronic format. With Haynes Manuals Online, you get all the trusted content of the Haynes printed manuals, but with added features including over 750 color photographs, color wiring diagrams, and videos to help you do the job right. They're formatted for all electronic devices, and over 180 car, truck, and motorcycle titles are now available. The new Haynes Manuals Online are now available at Haynes.com. Hey, it's Alan Taylor here. I want to tell you about a brand new video series I'm co-hosting with my buddy Scott Duffy. It's called Business and Burgers, presented by Microsoft. The show travels across the United States, and we're in search of the best burger in America and a side of great business advice, too. Business, sports, celebrities, and food collide in an interview-style format with noteworthy entrepreneur guests sharing the secret sauce that it took to build prosperous, game-changing companies. Follow us online on YouTube, social media, and at businessandburgers.com. Go check out our new video. It's up right now. Cancer is the number one cause of death by disease for children in the U.S. today. Since the Austin Hatcher Foundation's birth in 2006, it has grown to provide unique programs to help the children and the families affected by pediatric cancer. Support begins at the time of diagnosis and continues throughout survivorship at no cost to families. Lives touched by the foundation continue to rise each day. But we need your help. Donate, volunteer, or partner with the Austin Hatcher Foundation. Learn how you can get involved. Visit HatcherFoundation.org for more information. You have questions, we have answers. This is Doing What Works with host Maureen Anderson. Do you want to look back on your life and realize you barely looked up from your phone? Coach Marshall Goldsmith. It's very easy to get trapped into this sort of media addiction where we are constantly barraged by triggers to take us away from where we want to go. We all have something called the monkey mind. It's like a monkey swinging through the jungle from vine to vine. The Internet, it's amphetamines for the monkey mind. You go online, you're going to look up something that's going to take maybe five minutes. <laughs> Three hours later, you're still online, and you have no idea why you started in the first place. Do you have a bad habit you'd like to break? Is there someone at work or in your personal life who's causing you grief? Doing What Works offers help for these and many other life issues every day here on the radio. We have more of Doing What Works online at MaureenAnderson.com. Who's there? Fallen off. Fallen off who? Fallen off pain patch. What? Don't be fooled by the knock-knocks. Get the relief you deserve with Blue Emu's Lidocare Pain Relief Patches. Our narcotic-free, maximum-strength adhesion formula with dry technology won't have you worrying about a corny knock-knock joke anymore. Because pain is no joke. Find us at CVS, Walgreens, and Amazon. to the show. 
The Animal Welfare Organization in Defense of Animals, an organization we have come to admire and respect, had just published a new list which demonstrates and highlights what's really going on in the whale and dolphin captivity industry. Now, for 12 years, In Defense of Animals has published its list of the 10 worst zoos for elephants, so this new list seems like a great idea. So let's see what's on it. With us now is Dr. Tony Frohoff, who is Elephant and Cetacean Director at In Defense of Animals. Welcome back to the program, Tony. Thank you, Lori. I love your show. It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Tony, what's the purpose of compiling a list like this? I mean, if your view is that all of the facilities are cruel and should be closed, what's the point in making a rank order list? Well, part of the importance is that the 10 worst tanks list really is created and ranked by what each entry represents. Rather than being an, based on an absolute hierarchy, uh, which we can't do, especially going across countries, Mexico, Canada, and U.S., uh, with different standards and such, um, we go beyond the solely physical attributes. Um, that are representative of the systemic and inherent problems of captivity. Um, instead, we're looking at what each facility best exemplifies. And how did you put the list together? Well, we have been working for over a year with other scientists and cetacean specialists and looking through tons of historical information, government documents, uh, facilities were assessed in person through review of vet records, death reports, and via image and data documentation. Mm. Um, entries were selected from over 60 facilities across North America where nearly a thousand whales and dolphins are held captive for public display. Now I'm looking at the list here with you. Why are the SeaWorld parks at the top of the list? Good question. Well, first of all, we wanted to exemplify what was the biggest disappointment but the greatest potential yeah since SeaWorld is an industry le leader at least uh, by reference of other facilities um, but also we want to make the point that cetaceans still suffer and die prematurely in even the most quote state-of-the-art unquote facilities with modern technology and infrastructure so you would think that dolphins and whales protected from predators and with veterinary care and food provisioning that they would, if anything, live longer and better than their counterparts in the wild, but certainly they do not. So they're being imprisoned and uh, being in a constant state of trauma perhaps is uh, most likely indicative of their surprisingly high mortality. And SeaWorld in particular does exemplify all of these things. Also on the list is one in Mexico called Puerto Aventuras Dolphin Discovery. What was notable about that one, Tony? The number three uh, worst, if you want to say, uh, facility that we chose on our list of 10 worst tanks is Puerto Aventuras Dolphin Discovery in the Mayan Riviera in Mexico. And we cited this for being the dirtiest and most distressing dolphin disgrace uh, based on um, a lot of really shocking things that we observed there mm. and also uh, based on what this facility represents. This facility is owned by a company called Dolphin Discovery and Dolphin Discovery owns over 24 captive dolphin facilities, including some in the U.S. and Italy. So we're talking about a huge dolphin exploitation industry. We think SeaWorld is the, the main one, but internationally, Dolphin Discovery, who owns Puerto Aventuras and the other uh, facility on our list from Mexico, Six Flags, um, this uh, facility really represents some horrific uh, things, even in my eyes, and I've inspected a lot of facilities. Now, Tony, the Georgia Aquarium is among the most popular aquariums in the country, and yet it ranks high on IDA's notorious list of worst tanks. Why? 
Well, actually, um, I wanted to see Georgia Graham as number three worst, uh, but I have to say that uh, it was only because the facility in Mexico and Canada were so bad. But the Georgia Aquarium, I mean, their shame is um, for being really one of the most active players in the cetacean exploitation industry. And we put them at number four for stocking what we call the dying pools. And they basically um, ship beluga whales and dolphins between facilities with what appears to be complete disregard for their close social needs. On a single day in February 2016, they were involved in transporting four belugas to and from marine park facilities across the country. But the biggest problem with Georgia Aquarium, Laurie, is that they are somewhat notorious now for trying to import wild-caught beluga whales from Russia. And uh, NOVA opposed that and didn't give them the permit. But, they I mean, it's really horrible that they were going to import these wild-caught beluga whales. And despite being denied the import permit, um, it didn't stop the company from trying to restock belugas from other aquariums. I mean, I could tell you some really sad stories about um, why we call Georgia Aquarium the dying pool. I'm sure you can, and you know what? I get so disgusted by some of the horrific things that happen there and in other tanks that hold whales and dolphins in captivity. I think I will spare my listeners the details, Tony. Now, the Mirage Hotel and Casino in Vegas also houses dolphins. What's going on there? Mirage Hotel was shamed as the uh, eighth worst, and we listed it, we put it at eight for uh, poor odds for casino dolphins, because of course, um, dolphins do not only not belong in the desert, but they do not belong on the Las Vegas Strip, which is where uh, Mirage Hotel keeps them. Perhaps worse is that there is uh, what appears to be a complete lack of shade from the intense desert sun, and that uh, would be a blatant violation of the Animal Welfare Regulation Act. And there are 13 dolphins who died at this facility, uh, probably most, if not all, prematurely from over its 26-year history. And um, several dolphins there have suffered some persistent skin disease. And um, it's just um, a very unnatural place. But more than that, uh, dolphins do not belong on the Las Vegas Strip nor in a casino. And that's really what this represents. Finally, you gave honorable mention, and honorable in a good way, to the National Aquarium in Baltimore. Why? Well, it was actually a joy to give honorable mention to any of these uh, dolphin area because the Baltimore National Aquarium uh, just announced plans in June of this year to move eight bottlenose dolphins from their indoor amphitheater pool to what could be the nation's first oceanside dolphin sanctuary by 2020. And um, this is immense because, first of all, it's not just the first dolphin sanctuary that may be built in North America. There are no sanctuaries yet built uh, for dolphins or whales. They're really the only animals who don't have sanctuaries as of yet. Uh, but also the National Aquarium is doing what we had hoped SeaWorld would do. They have not only been publicly critiquing dolphin captivity for at least five years after the deaths of their two of two of the calves in 2011, uh, the CEO there began to acknowledge the harm perpetuated by the aquarium industry. And in 2014, he decided to end the dolphin show. He said their shows are antiquated and addressed the miseducation that takes place at these captive facilities, noting, and I quote, when people see dolphins in this type of sterile setting, the messages that they take away are not, in fact, the ones that we as conservationists want them to. So he's looking for alternatives. And in fact, this is what SeaWorld and other facilities really need to know. Uh, know and they need to do. This is a new era, and uh, we're not... The populations now are too sophisticated. The public is too sophisticated now to accept dolphins, elephants, and other 
animals as circus performers, whether in tanks or in the tents. Fantastic news and kudos to National Aquarium in Baltimore. Tony, what's the media's response to your list of worst tanks? Well, I'm glad you asked, Lori, because uh, just on the first day of our release, one of the facilities threatened uh, one of the largest media uh, organizations in Canada, threatened to sue them if they published, um, my understanding is if they published uh, more about our list or, or whatnot, even though everything that we have is, is empirically based and, you know, we have video or documents to support it, or at least credible uh, professional witnesses. I mean, we're talking about a nationwide media outlet that perhaps will not be publishing our 10 worst tanks list or may have even taken it down because threat of a lawsuit. So this is what the public is getting in their news. Second of all, um, it's been great that the media have really taken this on and seen this as important and relevant, but also we've been dealing with the same old thing that um, regardless of my being a scientist or working with other scientists, being labeled as solely as animal rights advocates and totally dismissing the research and uh, empirical Uh, systematic analysis that's gone into making this list. So in a sense, it's really prejudicing us and perpetuating the uh, facility's image. Perhaps uh, some communities locally are afraid that if they don't have a facility, uh, they're not going to have the income generated from tourism. But what they don't understand is what the National Aquarium is saying, that we can have alternatives. Tony, I'm sure our listeners are going to want some ideas on what they can do to end the captivity of all whales and dolphins. What's your advice? Your listeners can really help protect dolphins and whales in the wild where they belong by pledging to never visit facilities that imprison them and to please share this list and other factual-based information uh, with others who you know. And every time somebody goes to one of these facilities, uh, they are directly contributing with their money the uh, continued oppression, exploitation, and possibly even the further capture uh, from the wild and breaking away from family and freedom that uh, these incredibly beautiful and intelligent beings uh, face uh, when people go to facilities. Basically, if there is not a market for animal cruelty, such animal cruelty would not exist. That's it. Dr. Tony Frohoff, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Lori. If you're not getting cash back for shopping, you're missing out. Download Ibotta now. I-B-O-T-T-A. It's the hottest app to earn cash on everyday purchases on groceries, apparel, electronics, beer, wine, and spirits, restaurants, and more. Just unlock, shop, and get cash. Download Ibotta today free from the App Store and for a limited time, get $10 just for trying it. I-B-O-T-T-A. For cash back every time you shop, you've got to Ibotta. No matter what kind of allergy day you're having, relief can be yours with Nasacort Allergy 24-Hour. Its prescription-strength medicine effectively relieves your worst nasal allergy symptoms, including congestion, for 24 hours. <sighs> Nasacort has no harsh taste, is non-drowsy and non-addictive. Unlike Flonase, Nasacort is scent and alcohol-free. For effective nasal allergy relief, choose Nasacort. It's guaranteed relief or your money back. Details at Nasacort.com. Use as directed. The Covercraft products you know and trust are now available directly to you at Covercraft.com. You'll find custom car covers manufactured with high-performance fabrics, Carhartt seat covers in new Realtree camo patterns, dash mat dashboard covers, Colgan custom bras, specialty protection products from Canine Covers, and a whole bunch more. Be sure to use the code DRIVE at checkout to receive free shipping in the continental U.S. Get protection for whatever you drive at Covercraft.com. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18-wheelers and large buses have big blind spots, and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. 
bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle, always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Welcome back to Animals Today. Make sure to visit us at animalstodayradio.com. You know, Lori and I have been reviewing a few articles and news reports about the situation in Dallas and surrounding areas about many stray dogs running around and the overpopulation and just sort of things getting a little bit out of control. So uh, we wanted to speak with J.P. Bonnelly. He is from the Street Dog Project. He's the president there, and he's also a member of the Animal Advisory Commission in Dallas. Maybe we could learn about what's going on and see if we can uh, shed any light on the situation. Hey, J.P. Thank you for uh, having, uh, having me on your show today. Give us a little overview. What's happening in Dallas with the dogs? I'll, I'll uh, kind of paint you a picture from my personal perspective from uh, rescuing dogs from the streets uh, for many years now. And, you know, you know, people keep saying, hey, we have, a, we have a loose dog problem in the city of Dallas. And yeah, that is correct. However, uh, if you dig a little deeper, the actual answer is, hey, we have a people problem in the city of Dallas. Um, so I, I think what we're looking at is due to um, people not being responsible pet owners mm -hmm. uh, creates that loose dog problem in our city uh, and it just perpetuates itself yeah. uh, to where it's never ending. Um, you know, our animal services could go out and one of the statements I made a long time ago is they could go out and pick up every dog in the city of Dallas tomorrow and in three months we'd had the exact same problem. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, some new information has come out from a strategic plan review uh, that it's going to help overall um, help try to resolve that issue through multiple uh, multiple scenarios like massive spay neuter yeah. uh, programs in the in the city, uh, reaching out to the residents uh, of I the city who. Are, uh, who keep having violations and they're not being responsible. JP, what exactly are we seeing on, are there packs of dogs? Are there dogs just roaming everywhere? What, you know, uh, if, if you just well, drive around, uh, what do you encounter? Yeah, you know, do dogs pack up? Yes. Uh, are they running rampant terrorizing the city as the, I think some parts of the media would lead you to believe? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, I've been on the streets of Dallas for a long time rescuing dogs and uh, personally responsible for, you know, over 1,200 uh, dogs being taken off the streets. Street dogs. Incredible. Um, and it's very rare to come across a rogue pack of dangerous dogs. Mm -hmm. Not to say that they're not out there. Most of those dogs that you hear about in the media that are attacking, that have had, have attacked people in the past, when you dig down, some of the things they don't tell you is, Hey, guess what? Those are owned dogs yeah. by irresponsible pet owners who let their dogs roam freely. Why there are a bunch of irresponsible pet owners? I can't really give you a 100% definitive answer. My personal opinion is that we have a culture in South Dallas uh, that reminisces from uh, different uh, areas of society that believe, hey, it's okay to let your dog run around uh, yeah. unaltered mm -hmm. uh, without uh, registration um, and it, it's a it's a it's a pretty Dallas pretty big city yeah so we have a lot of people around there um, in our city that don't see that as a problem letting the dogs run this or if they get out like oh no big deal I'll, uh, the, the dog will come back or it'll get picked up by animal service. I'll just get another dog. Tell us a little bit yeah. about the, the Street Dog Project uh, because you are rescue, you and your group are rescuing dogs off the street and you're not bringing them to the shelters to be euthanized. You're getting them adopted. No, our goal is to go out there and um, you know, our mission statement is to help reduce the um, homeless pet population through rescue, education, and outreach. 
Um, and, and I think that's the big picture, even with the animal shelter, is we go out there and we pick up the dogs. Our, our organization puts them into a foster home mm-hmm. uh, or works with a partner rescue, uh, other rescues within the city, and we transfer the dog um, and say we may cover their vet expenses. Yeah. Uh, so it's less tasking for them. Uh, but then that allows us the capabilities to go back out on the streets and uh, catch some of those uh, more difficult to catch dogs. And while we're out there, we're actually talking to the community, trying to find out what's going on, how can we help, uh, are vaccinations needed, um, you know, does anybody need spay neuter? Basically what DAS has been starting, or Dallas Animal Services had started to do a couple of years ago uh, under Jody Jones, is getting out there and trying to keep dogs in homes, educate those owners, and you know, if you're not, if you don't comply, then guess what? There's a consequence. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we can't provide consequences because we're a little private organization, uh, but we can help um, pet owners. Uh, you know, spay neuter the pets, get yep. vaccinated, yep. Uh, maybe provide some re- some additional resources that may help them. Uh, provide some education on saying, hey, this is why it's bad. Uh, to let your dog go on the streets. One, your dog can hit the car and get killed, can be picked up by animal services, you can get fined, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when you go out there and you, and, and you pull and rescue 1,200 plus dogs off the streets of Dallas, um, that's quite an accomplishment. And, you know, all together with, you know, everybody involved, um, you start to see a difference. You start to see a difference not only and the reduction of dogs in the area that we were in, but you start to see people treating their animals better. That's the greatest compliment I received as being part of rescue is one of our volunteers in the community came up to us and said, you know, since you guys have been here, and we've been there for about a couple of years, I've seen less dogs in the street, and I'm seeing people treat their pets better. So the, that system works on, you know, on our little tiny scale um, so hopefully, uh, that's kind of where we're going to lead to on a large, massive mm-hmm. scale through the city uh, to help reduce that pet population. JP, that sounds really admirable, and uh, I love what you're doing. People can learn about the Street Dog Project and what's happening in Dallas on Facebook. That's the best place to find you these days, right? Yeah, I think you know. I think most people are on Facebook this day, uh, these days, and it's just. Facebook.com slash the street dog project. That's great. They can go out there and kind of see what we're doing, follow us, get involved in the stories. And uh, hopefully under the continued leadership of Jody Jones and Dr. Kate McManus, um, we'll get uh, the animal commission. Of course, uh, we will get uh, our city back on track and hopefully um, reduce that loose dog population out there. J.P. Bonnelly, thank you very much for the work you're doing and for joining us on the show. Major support for Animals Today Radio comes from International Society for Animal Rights. For decades, ISAR has been a world leader in the battle against dog and cat overpopulation and its moral, social, and economic costs. Please visit their website at www.isaronline.org. Lori and I want to thank you for listening to today's show. And remember, you can listen to all the prior shows. They're online at animalstodayradio.com. And visit us on Facebook. This is Dr. Peter Spiegel encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals.